Welcome to On Air, a podcast by Thampalat. We host bi-weekly discussions with inspiring founders and professionals from all around the world to talk about their journey, aspirations, and the power of connection. My name is Clara, and I'm the co-founder of Thampalat, a career development platform for women. My guest today is Dana Pick. Dana has been the founder and managing director of Relocare since 2008. Relocare is an immigration and relocation provider that gives support to HR on moving their newly hired or transferred employees to the Czech Republic. Dana has led Relocare with a high level of communication and customer care, which they consider a unique and authentic asset. We spoke with Dana about the process and challenges of starting a new life in the Czech Republic as a foreigner. She shared with us the long story of Relocare, one full of difficulties, literally from zero to hero. You will also hear Dana's thoughts on maintaining work-life balance, as well as tips for effective networking. Enjoy! Hi Dana, it's my pleasure to see you and hear you today. Thank you, pleasure to see you as well. How are you? I'm very well, very proud and honored to be interviewed for your podcast. Thank you so much. Dana, to get us started, I'd like to ask you this warm-up question. When you were a kid, what did you want to do when you grow up? I, I guess uh, over the years I changed it a few times. But when I became a teenager, I wanted to have a career in the Israeli army. Because in Israel, everyone are joining the army at age 18. And I wanted to stay there for a very long career. Wow. And did you join? <laughs> I was in the army and I was also an officer eventually. And I wanted to stay there for a long time. But some things changed there that took a bit my motivation down. And I decided to leave. But uh, my dream was to enter positions that women never been before in the army, uh, either in certain ranks or in really jobs that women didn't touch. And I managed to do one of them. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. Well, that What? was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years <laughs> yes. ago. Are those positions nowadays more occupied by women? I'm not very much following, to be honest, uh, living now in Czech Republic, but I'm sure it is. I'm sure mm. it's done in a proper way, although I'm 100% sure there's also a lot of way to go forward. Okay. You're no longer in the Israeli army. You're now based in the Czech Republic and you're a founder and owner of a relocation agency here in a country in which you yourself are a foreigner. So how did this journey reveal itself in front of you? How did you come here? How did you get started? Mm -hmm. I came here because it's very uh, common in Israel after you serve the army, you actually travel uh, for like six months or one year. I decided to come with uh, my boyfriend. For now, it's my husband already um, just to travel in Europe, work in Czech Republic because my parents live here, just to enjoy Europe uh, for a year or two. Uh, we fell in love uh, very quickly and we already knew that it's not going to be a matter of a year or two. I have done different things, mostly connected to tourism when on my first few years, but then some changes in uh, priority and in partnership uh, brought me to sell my previous tourism business. And I was looking for a journey, what to do. I really loved what I was um, doing before serving people. Uh, I knew a lot about Prague, to be honest, because I'm a curious person. So it was kind of nature for me to go uh, on the relocation and immigration businesses because I found that it's a niche 
that still is not enough developed at the time. And I thought that I can bring something else. You mentioned some reasons why you left the tourism industry. Can you shed a little bit more light on that? Well, there were two reasons. First, it was a family partnership that didn't work well. So we decided that it's better not continue. And it was also, it was 2008 and was the financial crisis around the world. And the first thing a person is done uh, when they are not sure about their financial future is to cut uh, lifestyle and tourism mm -hmm. normally goes first. So it was not really good to stay at the time in that business. Thank you so much for explaining. So when you started in a totally new field, that meaning uh, relocation and immigration, of course, you knew from your personal experience what the challenges are. So that's, you know, a big plus for you. But still, so many resources are in check. You didn't know the culture, the country itself that well as a foreigner. How did you deal with that? I was extremely hard in my personal life, of course. I didn't speak Czech at the time. I don't speak fluent until today, but I'm for sure can get around. But at the time I didn't, and it was also completely different Prague. We are talking about exactly 21 years ago. So there were not services in English. It was difficult to get a support. It was very challenging. Somehow, um, because my father is from Slovakia, so there was some support from there. But mostly, um, when I started the business, I already hired the people who worked for me in the previous business, and uh, they helped me with relocare. So everything connected to administration or talking in Czech or working on contracts and so on. I had to have somebody supporting me on that. So you had trusted people from the previous project that you took together with you to relocare. Exactly, exactly. It's very difficult to find good people, ethical people and people who believe in you and believe in the product you are selling or, or providing. And uh, yes, they were valuable for me to keep them with my next journey. Mm -hmm. It's very important to be surrounded by a good team. And in your case, it definitely makes sense that you did have them since the start. But the beginnings are also financially challenging. How did you finance those beginnings and how did you, you know, afford to, to pay those employees maybe before you even get some first clients? Uh, that's an excellent question because today when I hear about people who are trying to start their own business and when you started, when you found a company, you have to look at your expenses, maybe even consult with somebody about your expenses, because when you start, there are a lot of surprises on the way of payments you just didn't think of that you need to pay. And it can be connected to taxation that you don't know. It's connected maybe to accounting that you didn't count how much accounted cost or some lawyer consultation. So it's better to consult with maybe a mentor or coach that will help you. Of course, that also costs money. Well, sometimes it's maybe for free, but normally it, it has some fee. It's a big struggle. And today I say to people, if you are going to provide a service or product, you have to count that you need to find some background finance of a year or two. Of course, some services, uh, let's say if somebody is a consultant, they don't have maybe an office to pay rent for, their uh, expenses are very limited yeah, and very fixed. It's not like if you produce a toy and you actually need to buy the material and then store the thing and then make a delivery and create the package of it, that a lot of cost connected. So it's very important to console. For me, it was a struggle 
for two years before I was able to actually balance. So I used my years of saving, risking all of this money to make the company work. And to be honest, I could have done it only with the support of my husband. That was very important. We met when we were very young. So everything that we brought to our relationship was what we have actually achieved together. And he was very supportive. He believed in the company and he believed in me. So I could have a really good back financially as well. But it was struggling for two years. And then you probably like broke even and finally the business was generating some revenue to cover the costs. Yeah, but that was a long journey. Mm. That was a very long journey. And I assume that not everyone will be able to go through the same journey I had. So I was lucky in different ways. Mm. Uh, financially. Finances are one thing, but there are also some other fears connected to starting a business. Also, when you're risking everything you saved, were you afraid? I was never afraid, actually. I'm a risk taker. I have courage to do things in business. I did have a struggle to find clients because as I left tourism, because of the tourism situation around the world, but at the same time, companies start relocating people because it's costly. So I entered to a market that it was kind of like frozen. Yeah, that was not good. Actually, the way I solve it in creative way, I try to find how I can get to local people. A local, I mean, uh, foreigners who are already been localized, let's say, uh, they're already living in Czech Republic, and maybe through them, it will get the information around the world of the service because advertising for foreigners who are not yet here, it's very challenging. How you get to everyone in the world that wants to come. And that was before Facebook, even LinkedIn was not uh, developed, not Instagram. So how you actually reached at the time, there was only one or two, let's say one and a half portal for foreigners online. How you get to French people, Canadian, Japanese, you know, South Africa. And actually talk to all of them the same language because everyone are in different English level, different culture and different also position. Like some come as a junior, some come as a vice president. So how you talk everyone in an advertising the same way and get them as your client was very, very challenging. And also advertising in one of these portals, very small portion. So in order to promote, I came with the idea of making an event uh, to invite some women here in the Czech Republic for coffee, uh, foreigners, uh, friends of friends, and then do five minutes presentation. And the idea started to grow in my head like in two, three weeks. And five months later, we were in Vistavision for an exhibition that called at the time Expo. And it was running for three years. And we had on the first year, 2,800 visitors. And we had 92 companies as us that wanted to target foreigners and they didn't have an opportunity to, again, the same problem as I had. So we ran it for three years. The third year was in 2012 and we had about 4,800 visitors and 120 exhibitors, but it was really great for the time and that's where it actually started. So I had to come with really brave, risk-taking marketing tool to be able to get out of my box and bring the clients in. Why don't you continue doing that expo? The expo was not a profitable event and it was quite expensive to make. So until the last minute, I could not know if I will even break even. And it was a one year intensive work. So it just didn't worth it. Although it was a beautiful baby, I loved so much doing. Mm -hmm. And I probably the most difficult decision I had 
in the business was to decide that I cannot continue. It's financially, business strategy, not correct to continue with it. Yeah. It's funny that what I actually got eventually from this is not the direct clients, the foreigners that were there. The international companies were doing relocation that didn't even consider me as a competitor in the beginning because I was only five, six months in the market and they are international, like 120 countries, 70 years in the market. I was nothing for them. They actually became my client in order to become an exhibitor and we developed relationship, you know, waiting for lunch, talking, helping to each other. They became my client and they actually outsourced the work for me. So that's actually how I got to work. And it's kind of even saved the company because with a discussion with my husband, he encouraged me to go and put a red line. He said, go and put a date that you're saying, if I don't break even by this date, then close the company. And he said, you do which red line you want, your decision, a year, six months, three months, doesn't matter. And I put this line to be end of that year. The event took place in September. And luckily in October, one of the companies started cooperation with us until today. And in October, uh, we won the tender for Škoda Auto, which we are actually supporting until today. So that was kind of like, I was almost at my red line at the top of it and things changed. So it was wonderful. So it turned into a success story. That's amazing. Yeah. You mentioned before that you were trying to target individuals all around the world who might be coming to the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. And now you mostly, if I understand correctly, work with companies. So that's again, like two different audiences, B2C and B2B. How do you tackle that nowadays? We work with the corporates because there is more work potential there. We love working with HR, actually, because company goal is to take from HR maximum headache and time because somehow always HR are the less department in the companies to get budgets. So they kind of always overloaded and not enough uh, stuff. The fact that they trust us, that we take over completely a support for an employee, it just makes it really easy for us. We are happy to support it and We know the company policies, so things go quite smooth. Being honest, when we work directly with private persons, their target dates are not very clear. The aims of their future in the Czech Republic, their type of the business is less clear, which actually required much more attention and much more hours, but they don't have the capability to pay more. So it's not our target, although because of the changes in the market of the COVID and unknown of companies, if they will be returned to recruit, if they will increase the company, maybe they will downsize the number of employees. We actually created the new services, which are focused directly at private clients in the Czech Republic as foreigners. Mm -hmm. So we actually created a new department which is focused by unique services that I don't think that anyone else is offering it in the Czech Republic. And did you start this new service during COVID? Uh, We have started it in June because it took us time to develop it properly. And we are still continuing doing it today. And we will probably find a way to make a better promotion so it will get really to more and more people. But it brings me to another question because you found a way how to pivot your business when you saw a challenge like COVID, especially in your line of work. What are the other challenges and how are you solving them throughout the years that you're building your own business? 
I think the main challenges are connecting team members to my team. That's the main challenge I have always because we look at providing services that do not need MBA, uh, some stage, you know, we are not architects, we are not engineers, we are not doctors. The services we provide with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of experience, basically everyone can provide. So what is the importance and what is different us than our competitors? Because again, the product is not complete. It's not a table that if I want to make it better, sell it better, I can have a better design or better color. In here, everyone more or less giving the same. So what actually will differ us from the others will be the way we communicate with the people, how fast we communicate, how detailed we are, how friendly we are, how caring we are. And it's necessary to invest really as a team uh, to be able as a person itself to develop them so they will give a better service because they are the service eventually. Mm -hmm. If they are going to communicate bad, doesn't matter if we found a beautiful house for somebody or we did get their visa on time. It's how we're going to communicate. So training the team, having a good atmosphere, making them working as a team, find a way to inspire them either inside the office or sending them to all kinds of inspirational events that they improve personality. Yeah. This is how they will provide a better service. And those are the challenges. It's continuous challenges because we have new team members. We are growing. Team members are replaced, of course. So to find the right person, to invest them. And then, of course, if you invest in them, you want them to stay. So how you make an environment that uh, the employee wish to stay with you. Uh, even if the work maybe can be challenging and maybe sometimes even frustrating because we are connected to the government authorities. So yeah, that's the challenge always, always is about the people, but not in a negative way, not about it's not possible and that's the challenge. It's how to make it unique enough that people want to stay and it's providing a super service. Mm. I bet because this is your unique value proposition, being friendly, open, fast. So that's probably also one of your accomplishments. So even though it's a continuous challenge, you made your service this way, that you can be proud of your team members and your service you're providing. What are the other accomplishments that you're proud of? I think we state ourselves now in the market as a reliable, ethical, good level service. That's an accomplishment for me. I'm not looking to be the biggest in the market. I'm looking to be the best service provider in this field in the market. And this is what we aim. And I think we are in a very good level at this time. But still not everyone knows us, so we need to expose ourselves more and, of course, continuous improvement. In the last year, the company actually doubled in terms of employees. That's, of course, connected to the volume of work as well. That's kind of proud. And I cannot say, I mean, the idea is mine and I'm leading the ship, but it's full of teamwork. So the success is not writing on me. It's totally all team of VeloCare. That's beautiful that you say that. How does your usual workday look like? A little bit more background information. So you're, of course, not only an owner, but you also are a parent and a spouse. How do you combine all that? <laughs> okay, so let's see. First of all, the last few months, even before the COVID, I already changed a bit my 
responsibilities in the office. I always was afraid when I started as one woman show, then I have my team for previous one, but then I have less employees and then hired ad hoc. I was always in touch with the clients, always going with them for the viewing, orientation, school search. I enjoyed it so much. It was energizing me. I love, I came back to the office after full day of work at five returning to the office to start working on the emails. So finishing like 10, 11. I was exhausted, but I loved it. And when the company grew, I was always afraid, what if I have more people, I have to do more management, I have to lead them, I have to be more on business development. And if I will not have this passion, then my employees will not get it. It will not be contagious as I used to give all this energy in the office. And I was afraid that I would lose it. But eventually, I was forced by the nature of the business to not work with the clients anymore. And I found that the energy I get is from my team, actually. That I love supporting them and inspiring them and lead them. I'm actually not out of the office anymore, almost. So I can finish at five these days. But I was not before. In fact, when my daughter went for kindergarten first year and my son went first grade, they were going to same campus building, which I decided to open my office in front of this building. So I was actually bringing them to the school at eight o'clock in the morning. And then when my husband would pick them afternoon, I would go just to give them a kiss and a hug and give an energy to myself and also release a little bit of the guilt of staying more hours at work. That was at the time. Today, I can more work until five. So it's completely different. Then I come home. My kids are already nine and 13. So they are less interested at being with mommy. But at the time was hard and I could not do it without my husband. His work has a lot of flexibility. So he was the one taking kids after school. He's the one cooking, doing a very good job. He was the one taking them for all kinds of afternoon activities and friends. So I can cut just in the evening, seven and eight and sometimes even nine. But again, today it works completely different. So I will say that I have a normal nine to five work at this mm-hmm. stage, but it was a long way. Yeah. Long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. That's amazing that you, you know, found a way how to let go of the work that you thought you maybe have to do and also that you enjoy to do and let the people learn from you, from your experience and delegate the work so that you can be the manager and not work in the business all the time. What are some of the self-care activities that keep you in balance after work or before work? So from the beginning, uh, even from my previous job, I had zero, actually. I was so many hours at work, which kind of energized me, but also drained all my energy at the same time. I just had to, you know, everyone else had to just fill the time for what I have left. That's family, that's husband, that was friends. And hobbies were out of the questions because... You know, when the kids were born and there was a lot of things to do with them, taking care of them and give them the attention and, you know, story at night before they go to sleep. I felt that if I will have a hobby, that will be so selfish because they have so little time with me. How can I even think of it? And I didn't for years. I had zero. It was work and a little bit of family And in between, if friends, uh, if I was, I was lucky, I could manage friends and family together. A mm. um, few years ago, was about, I think three and a half years ago, I did a one-year course, which was authentic leadership for a woman. 
And I was forced during this beautiful journey, and was very hard journey, to discover more about myself. And one of the things they forced us to do is to find our passions. And me and others, it took us a few weeks to find it. It was really kind of a homework thing and we had to work. And I found that dancing is my energizer. The anticipation for a class of dancing that I will have in three days from today will already put an energy to me. Just the idea that I have it and I'm waiting for it. And then, of course, when I'm there, it was completely no thinking, not on work and not about, you know, personal problems and the kids and all of it. It was pure joy and energy for myself. And then it was so high that it left a few days. So I used to go to three times uh, a week for classes and sometimes maybe for some party for Latin dance. And it was amazing. And at one point, I even had, when we were only five in the office and two team members decided to live on the same time, I thought I'm going to really down, like emotionally, energy, motivation. Everyone around me who knows me thought because I really had a good connection with these two and they just wanted to continue their career journey. Yeah, it was just, I was happy for them. Yeah, they deserve it. They were very good employees. But it came on the same time, everyone around me were sure I'm going to be depressed. The dancing kept me so high. They kept me there. And until today, unfortunately, because of the COVID situation, there is no dancing for some certain time. And even if it's back, I think it's not safe yet. So I have to wait. But it is very, it's super. And I think everyone, now I know, you have to keep something as a hobby for you, that it's only about you only about what you love and what gives you the passion about. And passions change. We're growing up, we change, you know, so sometimes you just, okay, that's enough. I learned it. That's all. Then to find something new. I'm also reading a lot every evening. I'm reading so much. I'm even reading every five minutes I have on the tram or I'm working for my doctor. I have my Kindle or my application of Kindle in my phone and I'm reading and reading and reading and it puts me into a different world and it's also perfect energizing. Thank you so much for, for sharing, for your tips. I also find it very, very important. So I'm glad we're on the same wave and that we're sharing mm-hmm. this with our listeners. One, another question, what is behind the success? So we rarely can do everything on our own. You mentioned your amazing team, your husband. Who do you think helped you get where you are today as a person and with your business? My husband, for sure. He's actually not as much as business supporter, but, you know, it's kind of a background. It's like, for example, he's um, now in a few days in Slovakia, and I just wrote him today, I just missed your comfort hug in the evening, because that's kind of like, it's the strength, you know. But um, I didn't use any mentor or business coach for years. I think I was not very much aware of the possibilities or cost connected to that. So Mm -hmm. I dismissed it. And I think I also was not open for criticism that somebody will tell me you're doing it wrong. I really couldn't hear it, could not deal with it emotionally. But I felt a few years ago that I'm missing inspiration. The company is growing and I'm professionally growing and I need to have somebody to help me to inspire me. And I was looking for all kinds of opportunities But in Czech Republic, you don't really have a lot of English options, at least not at the time. 
I was so happy to see that Fempelet open, you know, and I'm so passionate about women as well. And it was like perfect match, you know, until today, every event you are doing, I'm like doing my best to attend because it's so much inspiration. It's perfect just to look at others, hear them, their stories. And um, I met in some networking event, a beautiful person who became my coach, my business coach for the last two years. And uh, I'm also using a mentor from Pempelet, of course, uh, my great Victoria, who is helping us on our social media, inspiring me and mentoring me on how to learn and do things better. After this experience that I have, and I'm still continuous, I recommend actually everyone, even if they're not founder of a company or managing a company, to have a mentor or business coach, it's worth it. Because we invest on a gym and we invest on new clothes. And sometimes it's, it's, this is about you. It's your own development and settle with yourself. Understand your passion and where is your journey, where you want to go, where you want to be in five years. Or when you reach the age 65 and you look back, how you want to look back at your life? Or what do you want to tell your grandchildren that you have achieved and you're so proud of, yeah? And somebody needs sometimes to go through this journey with you because you don't just sit on the sofa one day and ask, what I want to say about myself when I will be 65, yeah? It's, it's kind of like somebody needs to lead you to, to think in this way. Accountability partner. sort of thing yeah exactly how did you and how you do still build your personal network and especially the beginnings when you were a foreigner you know many years ago 21 years ago when there were no english-speaking communities like Fempelad how did you build your network that was quite a challenge I'm not very good at uh, networking a lot of people tell me what but you're always so openly talking and so on yeah That's true. Once I'm already with the conversation, I'm very easily open, but it's hard for me to make the first step and introduce myself. I attended a few networking events, but I felt quite bad because I didn't know how to do it. So I actually was leaving them quite frustrated because if no one would speak with me, I probably wouldn't have to speak with anyone else. And I was very disappointed. Then at the time, it was eight, nine years ago, seven years ago, it was very popular, the business breakfast in mm-hmm. Prague. I think some of them are still working. And I joined one of them. They had a foreign group. And I became also a leader of one of this uh, group eventually. That was my main networking, really developed a lot. And I think the biggest one is the event of Expert Expo, because I met enormous amount of people from the market, from media, medical, international schools, everything. And this actually developed so many contacts that, in fact, I remember every time I went with my kids to the city center, I met so many people on the way saying hello to me and chatting. And my kids were like, mommy, everyone knows you. (laughs) No, that was really at the time. At the time, really, I knew a lot. I guess I know a lot as well. I just don't go to the city center as much. (laughs) Actually, huge, huge networking, the event itself. So I would recommend maybe doing events to people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) PR Mm -hmm. events and so on. Maybe not as expensive as Expert Expo was, but uh, yeah, it connects you with people. Mainly if you are the organizer, it puts you in a way that people are interested to connect with you. That's an amazing tip. It's actually very smart. One of the guests I had on podcast said, if you want to really learn something, teach it. And this is also very similar. Like if you want to meet people, organize an event. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes. 
because if you're thing. actively doing it, it's different than if you passively come and expect people to start talking to you. So I totally, totally agree. But yeah, if you are doing the event and as you say, you're, and you are the organizer, then people will come to say hello to you. This is one of the things when Relocare now is 12 years old, but 10th uh, anniversary, we did a very big party and everyone, of course, were interested to come and say hello to me because I kind of like supported everyone as in some way, either clients were invited or HR or, or our business partner. It can be real estate agent, can be admin office from international schools and so on. And I love to see actually everyone. It was fantastic. Great tip. Looking to the future, what is next for you, Dana, and for Relocare? As I mentioned, we like to be more settled in terms of reputation in the market. That if a person thinks I would like to have a reliable, trustable partner, then Relocare comes to their mind. And it's a long journey. It's maybe a 10 years task, but we are there. So this is what we are working. Uh, we are growing, but I wouldn't want to be grow too much. I think the level of service I touch to my employee, you know, when you have too many, then you have to, you know, divide them to supervisions and so on. So you less touch the people. So we would like to grow slowly and safely and be recognized. I love people. So I love taking care of people. So if I can have more things that I can help the people, it will be amazing. That will feel that I really achieved something. Yeah, so basically growing, but growing slow and never looking to do it fast. It's very easy to lose a client. You do a few mistakes and then the client don't trust you anymore. What's the point to bring more and more clients to you when you are not able to deal with the volume in terms of professional team to take care of them? So you bring new, but then the old ones will be leaving because you couldn't able to provide them the same level of service. So the grow has to be slow. That's how I believe it. And it's hard to do it because it's always the question, do I first bring employee and then bring the clients? Or I first bring the clients and then I have the money and then I bring the employee. But then you have to train them. So it's always kind of like a, a chicken and egg. What needs to be first? Absolutely. And in terms of the new service that you decided to offer to individuals, how are you planning to get that among the people? So maybe to rephrase a little bit. So your main clients are corporates. And I guess that's a lot of, you know, trust building, relationship building, networking and referral a business. How are you planning to do the B2C? We are actually planning an event in October mm -hmm. that is dedicated for networking and fun for the foreigners, for the experts. So this is to actually then recognize who we are, but it's basically PR. Yeah, it's for, mm -hmm. for networking. We are at the moment uh, quite busy, but we want to develop maybe a team of one or two people who will be dedicated for the B2C. And they will be actually approaching people through the social media and be more reachable, yeah, and come with more articles in our website, more tips in our social media, in this way to reach to them and develop that. Mm. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Good mm -hmm. luck with that. Thank, Thank you, you so much for sharing. I have a last closing and supportive question. And that is, are there any women in your surrounding that you admire and would like to give them a public shout out? Yeah, very good question. I don't think I have somebody in specific, mm -hmm. but I can say that generally I admire women. 
as I mentioned before, I get inspired by them. I love to be surrounded by women who are having the motivation, having the energy and enjoying waking up in the morning and go to work. It's kind of like fulfilling me. I love it. So, I mean, I don't want it to sound like cliche, but it's, yeah, the women around me, they are inspiring me, admiring me and going to event when I see women as head speakers or in panels, it's just give me a smile. So it's for all the women out there, all the femme palette and the listener. You are my passion. You are my energy. That's so wonderful. Thank you. That was a lovely closing note. I would like to thank you, Dana, for your time, for your wisdom. And I'd be happy to catch up again on some of our events. Super, Clara. Thank you very much for listening to me and interviewing me. And I will see you for sure in your next event. You know that. <laughs> Perfect. Looking forward. Bye-bye, Dana. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fanpalette.com. To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fanpalette Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us in two weeks for the next episode of On Air, a podcast by Fanpalette.